We're heading home. So how long has it been? And getting freaky. I've got to check in internet what that means. Just don't do an image search. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch on Thursday, February 11th. We're counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies, but first, your entertainment headlines. Lucasfilm has issued a statement distancing itself from and condemning the Mandalorian star Gina Carano following social media posts she shared that compared modern American politics to Nazi Germany, mocked the use of masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19, and propagated misinformation about voter fraud. In a statement to EW, Lucasfilm said she is, quote, not currently employed by them and added that there are, quote, no plans for her to be in the future. The statement went on to say that her social media posts, quote, denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. Representatives for Carano did not immediately respond to EW's request for comment. It turns out Kim Cattrall's Samantha may not be the only one not coming back for HBO Max's upcoming Sex and the City revival, and just like that. HBO and HBO Max chief content officer Casey Bloys tells EW that while it's, quote, fair to say there will be some familiar faces pop up on the new series, he adds, as in real life, you keep some friends and other friends move on and you meet new friends. So hopefully it will be reflective of relationships in real life. Jinkies! Scooby-Doo's Velma is getting her own animated series on HBO Max, and Mindy Kaling will not only executive produce, but star as Mystery Inc.'s resident brainiac. According to the streamer, the show will be an origin story with a, quote, original and humorous spin that unmasks the complex and colorful past of one of America's most beloved mystery solvers. For other news, reviews, interviews, and much more, head over to EW.com. We're beginning today's picks with an ending. The finale of The Stand is our number three pick and drops today on CBS All Access, bringing the epic Stephen King adaptation to a close. Last week's episode dramatized the novel's jaw-dropping climax with an apparent act of God destroying New Vegas and everyone in it, including the villainous Randall Flagg, and ended with Franny going into labor. Here's a clip from the finale. I wish I could tell you every story has a happy ending. Truth is, most stories don't end at all. Not really. Feels like every day we're making progress. But the question is, where are we headed and how much farther do we have to go before we get there? How long before we go from rebuilding back to just living again? And how long after that before this place goes back to being just like before? Sometimes it feels like Captain Trips was like flipping a breaker switch. Everything's new, a chance to do it all different. But every day I wonder, will we? It's unclear what exactly awaits in this week's denouement. King himself penned the finale, which will apparently be a major revision of the novel's ending. The episode will reportedly reveal what happened to the survivors of The Stand, going beyond the book to follow the characters' fates. King has previously voiced his dissatisfaction with the way he ended the book, so it's no surprise he took to the idea of a new conclusion. One thing is for sure, though, if you're a King fan, you won't want to miss this one. If nothing else for some Alexander Skarsgård nudity. You can stream the finale on CBS All Access right now. Trivia! 
It's trivia time. Before we move on to our number two pick, a question about The Stand. The CBS miniseries had a long road to the screen, beginning as a film adaptation. Way back in October 2011, which A-list actor-director was attached to helm the movie? Ben Affleck, Clint Eastwood, or George Clooney? Stick around for the answer. Number two. Today's number two pick is really more of a three-way. The new documentary, There's No I in Threesome, drops on HBO Max today following a newly engaged couple who decide to experiment with an open relationship. The couple, Zoe and Ollie, are maintaining a long-distance relationship when they decide to throw traditional rules out the window ahead of tying the knot. Together, the pair document their journey into non-monogamy, which, suffice it to say, does not go very well. Here's a preview. We're about to have our first threesome. You ready? I am part German, though, so I did insist on some rules. Ah! <laughs> the idea is to highlight an alternative to monogamy. That you can have your cake and eat it, too. That's how it started, anyway. Oh, dating during the pandemic really has gotten complicated, hasn't it? You can stream the documentary on HBO Max now. All February, we are celebrating Black performers and artistry for Black History Month with recommendations from EW staff, stars, and filmmakers. Lovecraft Country's Journey Smollett, who was honored earlier this month with the SCAD ATV Fest Distinguished Performance Award, spoke with EW's Chancellor Agard, and he asked the question, what you watching? I re-watched for the second time, I May Destroy You, because <laughs> it's just so... She is everything to me, man. I love that woman so much. And um, Did you get anything new out of watching it through a second time? Or did something new jump out to you? Uh, some of the, I mean, the thing that, that still strikes me is it feels like such a piece of poetry that is so personal and so not for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's mm -hmm. not, she didn't create it for the viewer. It is, I mean, the ending in itself, the way the finale tells the story in several different scenarios, when the dude gets up out from under her bed and she says mm -hmm. go or leave or something like that, I was like, I mean, it's just so genius. And it's not, it, again, it's not for us to have the satisfaction of having an ending, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I love. It's so bold. It's so, it's, it's for her, you know, as it should be. Michaela Cole scored a SAG Award nomination recently for her performance on I May Destroy You, which she also created, co-wrote, and co-directed most episodes of. The entire 12-episode series is available to stream on HBO Max. And that takes us to today's number one pick. But first, a quick break. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. 
And now we're breaking the silence for our number one pick, Clarice. The new CBS procedural is a sequel to The Silence of the Lambs, starring the originals Rebecca Breeds as Clarice Starling, the FBI agent played by Jodie Foster in the Oscar-winning film. Picking up one year after the events of Lambs, Clarice follows Agent Starling as she returns to the field, navigates the male-dominated world of law enforcement, and grapples with the trauma of the last year as well as her childhood. Here's a preview. This isn't Buffalo territory anymore, Starling. We do evidence. Not it's a full moon and I've got a feeling. So you'll keep quiet until I tell you. And then you will say what I tell you. DC is living in fear. I don't like this. This is deep and dark, Clarice. This is getting worse. It always gets worse. I know you have your own demons to carry, but you're the only one who can help. Whose stories are worth telling? Who's it worth hearing? Never let anyone decide that for you. EW's James Hibbard now joins me to discuss all things Clarice. Hey, James, how are you? Uh, doing well, thanks. Great. Well, we're happy to have you here to talk about this. This show is, uh, I think it's definitely one that a lot of people are excited for because a lot of people, uh, you know, love the original movie and, and many forget that uh, Julianne Moore starred in one after. But, uh, uh, you know, we won't get off on that tangent here. Um, so this series, um, why this series? Why this setting? And why don't we uh, ever get to hear uh, Hannibal Lecter's name used? <laughs> well, well, it's like three questions in one. Let's yes, see why <laughs> why this series, and the reason is is because you've heard of it before. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know we're 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 in a world of of any pre existing IP with an audience uh, automatically gets something. Um, why this setting? Uh, because I, I think they were looking to stick with um, the, the the aesthetics and, and attitudes and atmosphere of of the early 1990s. And uh, so that makes it a little more distinct from from, you know, other current you know, investigative thrillers, you might see. And um, and in terms of the Hannibal Lecter of it all. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 a deep one because um, Clarice can't directly mention Hannibal Lecter. There's like a sort of roundabout reference to him in, in, in the pilot. But the rights to author Thomas Harris's characters are kind of bewilderingly, bewilderingly divided between MGM and the Dino De Laurentiis company. So, um, like uh, you know, uh, the NBC show Hannibal didn't have Clarice Starling. Uh, this show on CBS does not have Hannibal. What do you think uh, so far of Rebecca Breeds, this Australian actress who people may know from uh, the originals or, or some other shows? What do you think of her? Yeah, that's a very tricky one to do because Jodie Foster ha gave an Oscar winning performance that was instantly iconic as Clarice Starling. And so when you think of that character, you immediately think of her and all the, the nuances of her performance. So there's a certain element uh, to Rebecca Breed's performance that is sort of inevitably a bit caricature-ish, you know, because she she tries to to emulate uh, the 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 accent and and her look is similar as well. But you know, I found myself kind of forgetting about that after about 15, 20 minutes or so, and and, and settling into and, and and accepting her performance as is uh, in that role. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, at first, I was like, okay, 
how's it going to compare? But then I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. You mentioned earlier uh, that this is, you know, familiar IP. I have to wonder, like somewhere at CBS, were they thinking, okay, obviously procedurals do very well for us. uh, So let's get ourselves another police procedural, but uh, do so in reviving old characters because, of course, uh, they're they're doing it here. They also did it with uh, The Equalizer um, starring uh, now Queen Latifah. So I I do kind of find that whole thing interesting, too, what, what you're saying there um what's old is new again yeah and and i and i get it you know if i ran a studio i'd green light the silence of the lambs tv show too i mean it's smart business move i mean we're talking about it today because your listeners have heard of the silence of the lambs you know (laughs) at at the same time i i think it would be nice to see new stories you are so beyond peak recycling of IP and content of this at this point, you know, to the point of parody, really. And, um, you know, and the show does look pretty hard in the rear view mirror back to back to, you know, the 1991 film, which is what, you know, Hollywood does in in general with a lot of uh, these, uh, you know, projects that uh, that either sequelize or or, or reboot familiar titles. And personally, I I would love to see more stuff that's unlike anything we've seen before, because I think that that's the type of stuff that really tends to move the needle. I mean, things things like this can 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 do well, but the stuff that people become fascinated by the stuff that really takes off tends to be the things in this world that you don't see coming, whether it's, you know, the Queen's Gambit or 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 or, or Tiger King or, or, or Game of Thrones or whatever. You know, it all it usually tends to come from a, a left field place. Yeah. Well, amen to that. More original stuff. That said, I'm still curious to see where this goes and, and I will be watching for a bit because uh, I, I love this character. So, um, all right. Well, uh, James, thank you so much for all your insight there. Clarice. Breaks her silence tonight at 10 on CBS. Trivia. And now the answer to today's trivia question. Which A-list actor-director was attached to helm a film adaptation of The Stand way back in October 2011? Ben Affleck, Clint Eastwood, or George Clooney? You could say way back was a hint because the answer is Ben Affleck. The next year, Affleck told GQ he was, quote, having a very hard time with the project, and he was later replaced by Scott Cooper before Josh Boone, who would eventually direct the miniseries premiere and finale, came on board. That is our show for today. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow. Be sure to rate and review the show, and of course, follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm senior TV editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW, and I'm at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch. What to Watch is written by Tyler Akalina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal and Carly used